All right, let's get weird. Yeah. All right. So this is Ted Lasso season one, episode four. And the title is children for the children. That's right. Excited. (laughs) There you go. No, I got excited, too, because the first thing I thought I was like, just like Wu-Tang, Rebecca Walton's for the children. You know what I mean? I again, I am incredibly (laughs) white. I don't know. I understand who Wu-Tang is. Oh, God. Also, side note, unrelated speaking about children. A child in the grocery store today had an existential crisis, and it was heartbreaking. Wait, what happened? I, I think he figured out that everyone dies. Like, he figured out the concept of death in the oh. grocery store. Oh, and baby. was, like, softly wailing, like, that he didn't want to die. And it was just, like, yeah, it was just, like, holy shit. What? Like, yeah, it was, and, like, the parents are trying to, like, they were being comforting. They were doing what they can. Like, but it was like, uh. Wait, <laughs> like, did you hear the beginning of this conversation? Like, how did he come to this? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think, I, I think he was playing a video game. Like, it was started. And then I think that he goes, he goes, I don't want my character to die. I don't want to die. And then, and then, and then um, the, the, like, I think the parent offhandedly said, well, everybody dies. Oh, no. And the kid just went, like, it, it like fell into place. Like what? <laughs> yeah, and oh, it was no. like, oh no! <laughs> oh, that poor baby. Now, anyway. see, he's, he's gonna have to go into therapy about that. I mean, I don't think we're gonna. He's gonna maybe, maybe not. But I mean, that's a horrifying, um, you know, a uh, concept we all have to grasp at one point or another. Yeah. It just sucks that it oh, happened to him oh, at Wegmans. Yeah, it really it does. Oh, poor baby. Oh my god! Yeah, it was oof. it was like heartbreaking. I'm telling you, he's gonna be in therapy because of that. I mean, I realized it watching Indiana Jones. I don't know when I realized it because I was just gonna ask you that. that. Yeah, it was Indiana Jones. I was sitting watching Indiana Jones. It's the one. I think it's not the good one. It's the one where they he like. I don't know which one it is. Um, it was me and my dad. We my dad had rented it from like Blockbuster, and it's the. What was he doing? Oh, and we were watching it. It's the one where there's like secret passages. I think they're they're in India. So all of them? Okay. No, the, no, they're <laughs> no, in, the, the I, one I, know one which I believe one. they're in India. Yeah, I know when you're talking about. And I don't know the number, but yeah. Like they run through and there's like a booby trap in the hidden pa- passages, and like there's skeletons in there. And for right. whatever reason, like I think I had just learned about the concept of skeletons, mm. and so like I understood they were inside of me. And so for them to just be there with no person, I was like, that means they're outside that you can't live. Like, and I think it just kind of like, it was like one of those things where like, well, you can't, you can't live without a skeleton, Mm. but if they're there, like that means the person who had them was dead. And I was just like, I looked up at my dad. I was like, I don't want (laughs) you to die, dad. (laughs) And my dad just like, my poor dad was just like, what? Yeah. He probably (laughs) didn't know what to say. Like what was, Kicking through your little brain. Yeah. It's like the skeletons. You're like, like, okay, so I understand that we're meat covered stick figures. Okay, get it, get it, get it. Okay, these people don't have their meat. That must mean they're dead. Yeah, it was like this like horrible thing. Uh-huh. Uh I mean, I guess it's it's probably better, you know, to have that on the couch with your dad in like 90s suburban. Pennsylvania, but yeah. like and not in the Wegmans. Then, then in the Wegmans, yeah. 
they were they were handled the parents were doing it well but they were clearly like oh no yeah yeah like what do you do that's why i don't want to have kids yeah no neither do i i don't want to deal with that i I gotta i gotta explain things to you that i don't understand like shut up no no basically (laughs) no uh okay so speaking for speaking of children um (laughs) Rebecca in this episode tries to help some underprivileged children. So that's very cool of her. Thank um, you. So we enter. Uh, first thing that we see is in the AFC locker room at halftime. The team is down 2 0. Uh, Roy Ken is pissed, obviously. And yes. the fans are lustily blueing, and it's not without good reason. And uh, things get pretty froggy right off the bat. Sam tries to apologize to Jamie for missing a pass. This was so crass. This was like his, what he says to him. Yeah, I can't. I can't even like that is like you do not insult somebody's mom like that is the universal like in every culture. You do not insult somebody's goddamn mom. Exactly. Like, yeah, Yeah, no, Sam really would have been in the right to just lay his ass out at that point. Yeah, because it was so it was so rude. And even even for Jamie, it was rude for Jamie. That was like that was I forgot that was in there. That's kind of a line too far, to be honest. Like that's like you do not insult my fucking mom. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've like I'm not gonna go into that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was gonna (laughs) was gonna tell a story about, and then I was like, oh well, if that person ever somehow hears this, I'm not gonna mention that. But um, about it was about don't mess with my mama, pretty much. Um. So yeah, and so Roy Kent is just not having it. You know, like yeah. he steps, he steps to Jamie and he's like, Jamie, if you're feeling froggy, jump, you know, and Jamie wonders whether he's going to have to beat up an old man or let an old man beat him up. There's really only one of yeah. two ways out of this. And I guess they both want to find out because the boys were I just say, fuck it, let's go. And I was like, yeah. And first of all, first of all, Roy would fucking crush him. <laughs> like, that is that is the the side that I come down on. Roy would destroy Jamie in a fight. I totally agree. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. Roy has the rage. Like they're maybe roughly the same size, but that I rage th- is an advantage. I think Roy is a bit bigger. Is he? But um, I think oh, so. hey. I think he's a little bit more broad, broader of chest. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, he is actually. Um, hey, question. I haven't looked it up, but these actors. Like in real life, I feel like soccer people are usually tall, except for obviously some very famous, notable exceptions Mm -hmm. um, who are legends in the sport. But do you think that these guys, they're like kind of short guys, right? I mean, not short, but like taller than maybe what you would think a football player would be. Yeah, I think they're shorter because generally, well, I mean, any sport in which you run a lot, it tends to be taller because the correlation of, you know, running and long, like, long legs and running um but yeah they're probably on the shorter size side for soccer players um in real life i thought yeah and soccer players tend to be a little bit more willowy yeah and i I love them for it um Mm -hmm. (laughs) so anyway so ted and beard swoop in and with some convenient timing and break up this fight um and they remind the crew of the first rule of fight club which is no fight club no fight club yeah i kind of like that which is what I always, that's like close to what me and my brother used to, because we both love Fight Club. Everyone loves Fight Club. And um, that was one of our inside jokes about, it was like close to our inside joke about Fight Club. Though, though I need to say that that the movie does gut a lot of the anti-capitalistic, anti-capitalism um, 
message from the books. It's much, much more anti-capitalistic in the in the in the book. That's what I heard. Yeah. Though the the ending is it's different, but, but it captures the theme, so it's not really. Mm. I just know the movie ending is beautifully shot, and it has that great pixie song at the end. Yeah, it has a great song. Yeah. Um, and so, but you know, the fight's not over. They basically go at it again. Yeah, yeah. So this is my question: Do the British not know how to throw hands? Because like they have more than enough time to actually hit somebody, and it's just like, did they just like not like choreographic well, or like do the British not know how to fight? Because like they should have, they like they had more than enough time to start shit. They're British. So maybe it's like the whole like genteel British thing. Like I don't but know. But neither one of neither neither Roy nor nor Jamie have an upper class accent. I don't know. But I, the thing that I thought was like it was the classic like men blustering, not really wanting to fight. You know, the thing yeah. where they go like, hold me back, hold me back, break, break, you know, like whatever. Yeah, the blustering, but yeah. I don't think that doesn't that not I think that would be a touch out of character. I think it was more along the lines of like the uh show didn't bring in like a stunt coordinator to do that so they were just kind of actor fighting yeah and they just didn't yeah because like they had more than enough to take a few swings yeah oh you said you wanted to see some blood huh no like it just frustrated (laughs) me because like like they they do that thing where like they like all of a sudden they just like they kind of like go at each but like no one is is taking it taking a swing like no one they're like yeah let's go and they like throw their hands up and kind of like charge each other and i'm like no like, do you not know how to fight? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. Like, if it was an American show, someone would have, like, someone would have taken a swing and landed it. I think they just didn't have a stunt coordinator on set at that um, point. I, that would be my guess. That's probably right. But, man, how much would I have loved to have seen that? Yeah. A punch, yeah. Um, I mean, no one deserves a punch in the goddamn face more than Jamie. True. So... Yeah, so they clearly don't fuck with each other and something has got to be done about this. Yep, so yep, yep. We'll see a how team this divided. A team divided. We'll see how this plays out. Out on the pitch, Ted notices that they've, yeah, they've still got this team divided. He and Beard mm-hmm. are thinking of a little something to try to help remedy this, um, but their game plan is interrupted by a screaming Rebecca Welton shouting things from her office, from her office window, all classy-like. Yep. And um, she's talking yep, she's about... Done the benefit gala that she's hosting tonight beard got caught trying to scam like two entrees at the dinner which... i love i love that she just says you're having chicken like beard you're having chicken yeah like make the call for him because his scam's not gonna work but i've uh i've tried that scam before and multiple times and sometimes successful sometimes not i don't know uh, why you'd want extra food at a benefits dinner simply because oftentimes in those kind of scenarios even if fancy people are going it's not that good. It's not. It's not that good. I've really. had shockingly bad food at a very famous hotel in DC. Yeah, like at a wedding, like they catered it. And it was shockingly bad food. Ooh, at a wedding, it was bad. Yeah, shockingly. Oh, I would get my shockingly. money back. Well, like it was part of the wedding, but like it was one of those things where like they gave you like a plate, and for whatever reason, it had chicken and steak on it, which is tangentially related to this episode and like green beans like yeah. the roasted green beans but they weren't roasted long enough the steak was dry it was supposed to be a filet uh. and the chicken was like semi-tasteless like unseasoned so it was just like chicken oh you realize i'm gonna have to cut all this out i know <laughs> okay <laughs> but i did enjoy that story unless just don't cut it out don't cut out the stuff about the chicken 
I'm, I'm going to yeah, whatever. Do it how you want. Do it how you whatever. want. All right. Let's so, go back. <laughs> and we find that Ted doesn't have a plus one. And so he invites Nate. Yeah. So he tries to invite Beard at first. But, but then Beard's already going with his two entrees. Well, Beard's got a date, too. Mm-hmm. Is, this um, the first, is this the first time we meet Jane? I think so. But I think maybe we've heard about her before. Um, and yeah. so while we're on this, I love the like running running jokes they have so far about beard kind of being a slut bucket out here in richmond because a couple episodes ago they um were talking about how he stayed out all night or whatever uh and then they've kind of been hinting like he didn't go home and was like maybe wearing the same clothes i can't remember and then they've been like hinting at like him you know and this woman so i think it's been maybe jane the whole time or you know maybe a couple of them could could be or not i like that he finds that but i like that ted in invites Nate and he and she just like turns to Nate and he goes are you free tonight and he goes oh I'm free every night and that like soft quick right. like like both pathetic and sweet way that Nate does it so I love the idea of Ted and Nate as a plus one Nate the great it's Nate the great baby the, the, the dynamic duo so in Rebecca's office she's trying on dresses for the gala and Ted comes in to see if Roy, Jamie, and him can all be seated at the same table tonight. Seeing her in her robe, he tries to regale her with a story about him in pajamas. But she basically hits him with the wrap it up B sign from Chappelle show. She's like, wrap, wrap this shit up. Like, I'm not, I don't have time for that. Um, however, a really cute thing happens between Rebecca and Ted here. She has a dress in front of her that she clearly loves, but she's worried that she can't pull off anymore. And Ted assures her that fashion is all about confidence. Without confidence, he never would have worn his pajamas to his senior prom and somehow ended up in jail the rest of that night. So he got to work his little story in there anyway. And he was, he was so pleased with himself. He was so he was pleased. He was pleased as punch for that. It was you, like, could, ha, ha. you could see that it was like burning him up to get that out there. So yeah, good for you, Ted. She's clearly revved up and nervous about the gala. And I believe this is this is the first year that she's doing it by herself without Rupert. Um, yes. And they've scheduled Robbie Williams to perform. Yeah. They got the, the great Robbie Williams. Okay. We're going to have a butting of heads because I do not understand why British people love Robbie Williams. Okay. No, we're not going to butt heads because no one does. I don't understand. <laughs> I, mean, I guess they, I guess they understand. I guess because you were like the great Robbie Williams. I was like worried for a second we were we were gonna was, be like at loggerheads. I was just trying to respect their culture. I know that they like people over there that we don't get, but um, yeah. So like over here, you remember in the early two thousands, yeah, that Willi- one song, right? Yeah, that one song, Rock DJ, which was a great song and a great video. Remember, he was like stripping naked in it, I don't and know. then once he got all the way down, uh, fully naked, he starts taking off his skin. Oh, Do you remember creepy. that shit? No, it I don't. Great video. Go find that video. It's called Rock DJ. Great video in terms of the graphics. But uh, that's the only song that I know by Robbie Williams. And I remember like in middle school or whenever, and that song was like being played around like VH1, MTV, all that. People were mm-hmm. like, Robin Williams does music? Like they thought it was like the comedian. <laughs> and that's like, no, it's Robbie Williams. So anyway, you know, Rebecca is trying not to let her nervousness play out in front of Ted. And to make things worse... Higgett then comes up and gives them bad news about Robbie Williams having to cancel. Yeah. That's why he's stuck at table four. A boring table. It's a boring <laughs> table. 
Rebecca basically looks at Higgins like, if you're going to bring me a problem, you better bring me a solution. So she tasks him with finding a replacement. Uh, Higgins, the self-proclaimed world-class problem solver, sets out to try his best to make this happen, to find somebody. And I love when he leaves that Ted tells him uh, that Rebecca is thankful for all his hard work. Um, oh, that's so cute. I love that. Even though she, she I think she pulls it. a little bit of a face when he, when he, when he says that. No, she does. She does. Cause you like, I didn't say that shit. And why are you speaking? <laughs> to me? But you know, it's him being him. So total class. Act. Yeah. Later that evening, Ted is exiting his flat at number nine and a half. I love how they do that over there. They have like the half numbers and he's looking good. He's looking sharp, all dressed up in a suit. And Mr. Mr. Lasso cleans up real well. I, he looks fine. <laughs> no, 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 he looks good, but he like <laughs> that's not that's not what I'm here to. He looks fine, like he looks good, but like he looks like a like they they like he looks. You can't give Ted anything. No, I can. I actually like he looks fine. It's a nice blue suit with a tie, but like like you see that scene before where you see with like Jamie and Keely trying on the outfit, right? Yeah. Oh, like, he has nothing on the boys and the and the girls. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's what that's what I'm trying to say. It's like he looks nice. He looks really nice. Don't get me wrong, but like even even like Roy has like a look going on, and Ted just looks like you know, like he's he's going to a wedding. He looks like yes, he looks like because he says he looks um, a little more plain Jane than the rest of them. Yeah, like in the in the next like little bit when he's walking um, from his house. He's playing phone tag with his wife. And on the message that he leaves her, he says that he's wearing the suit that she told him to bring. So that's what it looks like. It looks like the standard suit that you have for when you need a suit. A guy that probably doesn't wear suits a lot. He wears track suits and running pants and maybe khakis. And he um, does wear a lot of khakis. A lot of pull, sweater. pullover sweaters. Yeah. And polos and things. And um, she also he also says on this voice message to her that she's always right. And I'm wondering... Okay, Ted, if she's always right, is she also right about y'all taking a break? Hmm? Mm. Hmm? Okay. Anyway, this is another like gut, like gut gutting uh love when he, when he does the I love I miss you line. Yeah, that was yeah. a little I was like, oh you you knew where I was going with this. So another love lorn moment for Ted. He starts to say I love you and doesn't finish it, ends up saying I miss you. So poor Ted, yeah. Um, as he continues his walk, he encounters two very special gentlemen. Uh, one of them is uh, the troubadour street performer, Dirty Jason Mraz, as I like to call uh, him. I, he looks like he smells. I do not like this guy. Uh, he just looks like he smells. And I... <laughs> but this anyone, guy, he rocks it later on, though. He really does. But you know how I feel about dirty people. And uh, he just looks like he smells bad. And... I don't like people in those kind of sweaters. Anytime you see someone in one of those oh, type of like the hippy dippy like sweaters, yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I, I can feel like I can, I can like feel the patchouli smell, yeah, burning in my eyes. It's patchouli and some weed, maybe yeah. a little bit of bo, yeah, for sure. More than a little bit of bo, because I had I, I had friends who went to art school who were convinced, convinced patchouli hid the smell of B.O. B.O. Convinced. It only makes it worse. I know, Actually, I know. Um, like B.O. to begin with. I know. Our friendship did not survive their time in art school for a reason. Oh. I'd be all right, man. So I guess I'll just talk to you on the phone or whatever, because we're not getting in. <laughs> we're never going to be yeah. in the same room. <laughs> yeah. And then it, then it devolved into a series of fights of like, 
why won't you come visit me? Have you taken a shower? Because baby, you smell like patchouli. That's why. And I can't, yeah. I can't do I it. Can't, it, actually does, can't. it actually does make me nauseous. I can't do it. Um, so Nate, oh, and the other person that Ted runs into is Nate the Great himself. He's looking like a little boy playing dress up in his daddy's suit, which is what it turns out to be, unfortunately. I love it. Uh, And so Ted, I love this moment. Ted asked Nate whether he's the type of guy who likes for friends to tell him if he has food in his teeth. And Nate is, which is good because Ted informs him that his suit does not fit at all. And they make a little pit stop to remedy that. Question. Do you think they could have feasibly gotten a new suit? Because getting a new suit is an endeavor. Um, That is a very good logistical practical question my and i know take, it is a tv show yeah my take on it was that it was a better suit obviously than what he had um but it was still not great it was one of those slim cut ones that all the men wear now the tailoring mm-hmm. on it wasn't perfect it was, it was some, a little snug it was a little snug i also wish they had picked a better color i just mm-hmm. don't like that brownie gray color it does not while it does suit his skin tone a bit better um, That's what I thought. I was like, the color looks I, good on him. The color looks good on him, but I think the problem is, is they didn't pick a strong enough contrasting shirt underneath it, uh, and so it it's so kind of all blended into one color. Yeah. Whereas I think if they had kind of put like a crisper white shirt around, underneath, hmm. I think it would have popped a little bit more and been a lot more. But I think at this point, Nate does not want to invite that attention, so I mm. believe it probably makes sense that he would not have that. There. Yeah, I don't know that the the Obama problem, right? Putting a brown man in a in a tan suit. Hmm. What's that but anyway, is that suit? I mean, I don't disagree. I also that like I I know I know, but I like I didn't know that suits could be casual. So when I was just remember when that thing popped off, and I was like, wait, suits can be casual. I'm like, it, am I that wearing was, it was multiple. It wasn't. I know, I know. It's just because you is black and everyone is racist. Like I know, I know yes. that's actually the root of it, but like. That's one of those ones where I was like, really? Really? <laughs> like, like, I was so flabbergasted when that happened. Yeah, Absolutely well, also flabbergasted. Also, it was an Easter suit. And uh, in addition to it just being blatantly racist, it was also very ignorant of Black culture because that's how we dress on Easter. <laughs> that's how, like, we, we, white colors. He could have gone way worse. Well, no, <laughs> like, that's, that's like, to be, to be honest, it's just racist. You wear light colors up to Easter services. Like I grew up Catholic and white. Like oh yeah, I guess see, everyone does. Like do you that, would yeah. see, yeah, like you would see lighter colors on yeah. during Easter because it's it's spring. Like you would see much more. Like you would see floral dresses in in um you know in church and during mass. You would see the men generally were wearing. One of one of the people I remember had like a baby blue suit, which yeah. Now see, that's more what we would do. I'm like, they're lucky that Obama didn't show up in a pastel, a pastel purple suit. <laughs> I, that we didn't see, but like in my church growing up, you had a lot of like tan, pastel. You had yeah. some older folks who had that mint green from the '80s. Yes, I like that. Uh, as yeah. long as it wasn't a, a leisure suit. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was like the mint green that that color that was big in the '80s. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, you like, yeah, it's like that's that's just Easter. So, like, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would bet that Nate that that it was off the rack and maybe the best that they could do in that moment. But it's still, it still, I feels like it fits a little bit too too good. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't. 
super good and it also wasn't tear it was better than what he had basically yeah so you know oh and I love this moment because I'm the I'm a type of person and I'm a type of friend even though I know that people some people don't like it where if you like have a booger or like toilet paper on your shoe or like food in your teeth I'm going to tell you and I want people to tell me like please don't let me be out here embarrassed because I I see people sometimes where it's like you know you go out with like a group or whatever maybe and there's some people there that you know, your friends or acquaintances, but then they have a friend there that you don't really know like that. And I watch, I will watch. And if I see somebody let their friend go around with like a booger in their nose, for example, I'm just like, ooh, I should know not to trust you. I don't trust you. Yeah. Because I that, saw what you let your friend do. The one thing that drives me nuts is that's not always included in that is if my makeup is starting to run. Tell me if my makeup is starting to run. I will go fix it. Like, especially if I'm out dancing all night or if I've like, yeah. or if I'm drinking and you, you mistakenly like rub your hand across your face and it smears your makeup a little bit. Yeah. Tell me. Anything. Tell me. Yeah. Or like my mascara is starting to run and I'll go fix it. Yeah. Because you don't want to be out here looking like Robert Smith, like Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was afraid she was. No, her um. makeup held up great. I don't know why. Like that. Because she's Hannah, I know. She's I know Hannah Waddingham. Okay, yeah, she's great. She's wonderful. Um, so on the red carpet, everyone's getting their picture taken. I like and... that Sam asks all the photographers' name. Oh, what a sweetie! Yes, Sam also, was Isaac suit was top notch. Man, okay, I was gonna bring that up. So Isaac, Isaac looked great in his little floral number. Yeah, oh, everybody looks great. Um, um, Sam with the brown on black number, gorgeous. Yeah. Somehow that worked, and you know, I think it was it like more of an almost bronze. bronze. Not, it wasn't it wasn't quite brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it had like a it had sheen to it too. Yeah. I loved it. But both of the girls killed it. Roy oh. Kent in black on black. Yeah, see, I that's mean, what I'm saying. Like that's why I'm saying even Roy, like Ted, just looks like he's going, you know, going to a wedding. Like Roy had like a look, like, and it was yes. simple. It was very simple, and, just oh, put black on black. Oh my god! Like black, like when I saw Roy. It made perfect sense. It made perfect sense. Yes, of course. Yes. He always looks good in black. But I mean, other than Brett Goldstein, is his name Brett Goldstein? Brett Goldstein? I I don't know, man. Don't make Brett Goldstein? Something. Other than him being a gorgeous person, like seeing him dressed up like that made me remember like, oh, okay, everybody's outside again. I need to start dating again because there are are people out there that look like that. And um, I want some. It reinvigorated me. <laughs> I you, need, you need to go find your own Brett Goldstein. I was like, a man. Wow. Those. <laughs> that's that's the best part about Roy. A man. <laughs> Those are but, the thing. Yeah. I loved, I loved um in this scene, like Keely helping Rebecca, yes. like giving her the thing of how to stand. And then she runs behind the photographers. She goes, Oh my gosh, she's so fit. It's like, oh, I loved it. I loved it. You know why that was so great was because so she gives sweet. her the little pointer about like the the um, and somebody taught me that in a very similar moment, you know, the put your leg out, put your opposite hand on your hip, make a claw. Like, I love that. But then when she yells out, she's fucking fit. What it does is it just lights up Rebecca's face so that yeah. she now that she has the pose down, she's able to smile naturally and really bright as they take her picture. And it puts her in that moment. And it, it makes her live in the moment. And it's like, Keely, how are you so good that you know how to do? And I guess she knows how to do that because she is a model, maybe. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But she she was just that's the person that you want with you on a day like that when you have to go and stand in front of a step and repeat, you know, and and get dressed up and maybe you're nervous about it. She hit it out of the park. Way to go, Keely. And I love when women are supportive and complimentary of other women. I love that, too. Yes, I absolutely love that. And And she's so gloriously transparent. So when we see Ted and Nate again, Nate's in his new outfit. And he's looking, uh, you know, better, better. as, as we talked about. He reprises the strut from the last episode. I know, bless his heart. With a moderate improvement. And of course, Ted's like, let the, let the suit do the talking. You don't need to strut. Roy Kent then arrives again in all black and he's flipping off the reporters. When he gets to his table inside of the gala, he and Jamie are walking up to their assigned table at the, se- at the same time. And Ted has parent trapped them. He has. Now, before we go on, yeah, Ted and um, Nate actually run into Rebecca. And I just want to call this out because I think it's unique and great. Ted compliments um, Rebecca. He notes that he's wearing the dress that he encouraged. She's wearing the dress she encouraged her to wear. Mm-hmm. But he says, he says, and you're wearing the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. I like how he compliments her because it's not weird. It's like, it's not in a hitting on way. It's not like, there's nothing untoward about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause half the time, even like people, if you look, look at something nice, people tell, oh, you look beautiful. Like they're making a value judgment on it. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's just, you can, everyone can take, uh, take lessons on how to give compliments when somebody looks nice from Ted Lasso. Yeah, I agree. He doesn't make it weird or creepy. He He's clearly complimenting her because he knows that this was something she was worried about, right? Yes. And so it's done with a, a purpose that's more about like, mm, kind of, it's very much in the spirit of him, right? Like trying to encourage people and give them confidence and things. Yeah. So can I just say like, uh, somebody tried to parent trap me at one of my old jobs, just like this. Like getting to meet with someone you hate? Yeah, they tried to, they sat, they sat us beside each other uh, and we were out getting Chinese food for something that happened, something celebratory in the office. And um, that shit did not work. So no, it did not. Uh, But uh, I'll give them points here. It's yeah, like I've done that. And it just ended with me not talking to that person anymore (laughs) because they could not be trusted. (laughs) Yeah, like They can't be trusted. You're trying to manipulate me into doing something I don't want to do. Yeah. Like. I think at the end of the day, there are some people who just don't like each other and you need to accept that. With that said, I think the reason it works here is because Ted's like, you don't have to like each other, but I need you to work together. Right. Whereas when, when you, when you do that and in like real life and you want the other person to like, like the other person, that's when you're going to have problems because right. if you want me to like someone I don't like, um, now I just don't like you too. like like you have not achieved your goal i just have found another person i don't like yep um but yeah that's you're right uh it's not just i want you to like each other he's doing it for a purpose it's a work thing basically right Mm -hmm. yeah he makes that point about like how like you don't have to like each other but i want there to be some mutual respect you know like some great dynamic duos of the past lennon and mccartney Shaq and kobe very true lennon and mccartney actually liked each other until they didn't. Until they didn't. I mean, I think it's that part, you know, uh, creative differences and all that stuff. 
It doesn't go all that well, though. Jamie takes a pass initially. And then Roy only offers that Jamie's a piece of shit. So when all else fails, Ted suggests that uh, they get around the drinks. And I'm, I've been kind of noticing Ted likes his booze. He does. I think Ted has a low-key drinking problem. Um, yeah, right? I think that might be explored more in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I also like about the scene is Keely clocks that Nate is wearing a new suit and she gives him a cute little compliment and he like mm-hmm. he like gets real excited and then um, he makes a terrible, terrible joke. Oh, Nate. <laughs> Bless his heart. He's doing his best. Bless his heart. Um, you're not even from the South and you just dropped the bless his heart. So I like, I that. like that phrase, <laughs> but I don't like it. I don't like it in the mean way. I like to say it in the sincere way. Oh yeah. So I, don't, I don't, I don't use it correctly. You, 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 yeah, you did say it in a sincere way. Just <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't mean, we are being sarcastic when we say that. Yeah. Um, oh, I know. I understand. <laughs> I'm using it wrong. So next, uh, Miss Rebecca is standing in the wings preparing for her speech and Ted shows up probably on his way to the bar to get those drinks. Um, he advises, he, I think he is snatching them up. Yeah, he uh, advises her, okay, so you're nervous. Try making fun of yourself with a little joke to break the tension early on in your speech. Folks love that. And that's true. Folks do love that. Um, and then outside of the content of the show, there was something happening with Jason Sudeikis' acting in this scene that was giving me all types of like sexy vibes. I don't know what was happening. I think it was his voice. Like he, mm. he, he hit her with a little like deep voice thing, I guess, when he was trying to re- whisper this advice to her. So yeah. I was like, I was like, damn. Like, Actually, mm. I think it, I, to a certain point, it, it does get a little bit flirty where he is being a little bit more playful with her. Okay. Um, I was like, which, is it just me? No, because you're right. Okay. He is, there's a little bit more here that's a little, like that's a touch, touch, like just a shade. There's maybe the slightest little toe over the line. Slightest mm. like, You've gotten like maybe your pinky toe weight yeah. wet. Like there's yeah. not much, but mm-hmm. he, he and she goes, "You're just not. You're not going to walk into that one, are you?" And he goes, "Nope." And then nope. he like scoots off. Yeah, no, and I like that. But that she was killing that dress. She was. Every time like, I see that dress, I like it more. Goodness gracious! I mean, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's. I like the back. I yeah. have a thing where I love when um, designers realize that dress like that. Um, outfits are 3d and so like you're hit with something on the front that's kind of like okay the neckline is a little weird it's a little unusual but there's not much it's plain and then you turn you you see the back and it's like got these gold cutouts and it's got like i like it when they realize like like the fashion is basically 3d sculpture and you have like you have stuff to play with and like i always love when it's on the back side of a garment because i think that's fun I feel like we could, I mean, I think in every episode we've done so far, we've gushed about just how stunning she is and how well they do her up in this show. It really, I well, could just keep going yeah. on, but I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah, she's great. So on the way back to the table, Ted runs into Beard and his date playing a game of mental chess without a board. Mm-hmm. And I recently learned how to play chess and I can't imagine how hard it would be to play it like they're doing without a board. Um, so that was crazy to me. Also, um, side note, Beard is incredibly weird. So we learned he's that. He's full-blown. <laughs> he's been incredibly weird. They have not been uh, subtle. But he is a stone-cold weirdo. Yeah. He's this weird combination of, like, he's very, very stoic during day hours, like, at work and stuff. He's very stoic. Yeah. He takes things seriously, or at least more seriously than Ted. Um, he, you know, seems to um, be somebody that is all about, like, 
facts and data and gathering information and, you know, just a very kind of like straightforward guy. And then in his off hours. Yeah. Um, when he cuts loose, he cuts loose. He, he, he gets up to all kinds of nonsense and craziness. So, oh, and it only gets crazier from here for beard. Mm-hmm. Fortunately or unfortunately, I can't tell which one. Um, uh, when we get to that episode, I want to, I can't, I kind of can't wait to re- rewatch that particular episode. Yeah. It was a fever dream to me. So I have, I'm going to have to rewatch it for sure. I, I remember believe, very I little about really, it. Really, I really recall not liking it. Um, yeah. when I first saw it, like, I was like, I am watching this weekly and you throw this, like, yes. Yeah. Like holding the episode in, like it wouldn't be, it would be fine if I like cut in between to other stuff, but like in that one, it's like, I, if I recall it correctly, like there's no, it's like not interstitial cut no. things. It's just a can episode. It's in the can for just yeah. on that topic. Yeah. Yeah. It is. We're gonna like when we talk about season two. I'm gonna. I have notes. I think. I think that one's gonna be a tough episode for me because I couldn't keep track of that episode, and I'm bad at remembering and you know things anyway, in like TV and movies and things like that. Like I don't remember plot very well, and that one it's a total blank for me. And I know I watched it. I probably watched it twice back then, and yeah, nothing. I'm really good at remembering plot. I'm very bad at remembering dialogue. So like whenever anyone is like quotes movies at me, I'm like, oh, oh, okay yeah uh, you're like, like I, did you just come up with that that's brilliant no but yeah yeah basically i'm like wow cool that's really smart and people are like no this is from a film we just watched it and i was like yeah. oh okay okay um next up rebecca gives her speech as master of ceremonies for the gala she welcomes everyone to the 10th annual be- benefit for underprivileged children and a very generic benefit yeah title. she's yeah. clearly nervous <laughs> i she plays this really well i think she does um, and she thanks everyone for coming she says that if she could she'd hug each one of them as a thank you for their donation but she probably wouldn't because as they all know she's not much of a hugger and the joke does get a laugh so her yeah. little self-deprecating humor yeah works. she does follow ted's advice again she does but this is ted lasso so the night couldn't possibly go off perfectly without a hitch some fuck shit has to be afoot and mm. rupert the ex from hell crashes the gala in the most like smarmy self-congratulatory way ever he stands up and interrupts rebecca from the crowd um and you know this was awkward but as rebecca always does she she saves face i mean she's really good at like saving face in those messed up moments so after this we also get a sneak peek of nate the great blossoming into a very distinguished gentleman he um he orders a martini and he's really feeling himself because he winks at the waitress and calls her doll. Uh-huh. And um, I'm just like, where's all this confidence coming from? Bless his heart. Bless his heart. I can't I can't take it. Like it's, it's it's cute. And then he runs into Isaac and the Welshman whose name I don't recall. The, I don't even know they gave him a name. I just call him Welsh hole. <laughs> Uh, he gets better he gets more of a stuff going on this season he gets little character arcs too yeah and he's, i like i like that they can't make fun of him anymore he's starting to get better this episode because yes um nate's basically like hey you know i'm in a new suit make fun of me twice tomorrow like not tonight guys and they tell him that roy has prohibited them from picking on him any further this is a major plot point payoff for for the show so far and it's a major moment of growth for the team and uh you know ted's plan to change the culture on the team is working 
And when Nate finds out, he locates Roy, like he immediately goes over to him at his table and thanks him and gives him a hug. Um, although he almost chickened out from the hug. <laughs> he, yeah, he does. He temporarily chickens out and it's just all up in his and face. And he just, he's just like, yeah, he's a close talker and for no reason. And, and uh, Roy's like, what the hell are you doing all up in my face? Um, yeah, I would not get that close to Roy. I would, but for different reasons. I mean, if I hit, yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Like, I would not uninvited just like run up and hug Roy and be like, because that's like, that's not going to end well. No, 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 no. It'd be a little bit. Well, that's why he almost chickened out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So back at the Roy, Jamie, Ted and Keely table, the group uh-huh. is discussing the fact that there's an auction tonight in which a date is being auctioned off with one of the footballers and there's selling these dates to the highest bidder and you might get more wink wink if you donate over three thousand dollars i love that both immediately in this scene keely and roy are a hundred percent on the same page yes like they're just like just giving them shit and i love it like like they're just vibing they're just vibing as the kids would say and you know ted and roy commiserate over jamie and Roy basically points out that, you know, he too was a prima, prima donna at 23 years old in the league, having everything at his disposal. So he was like spoiled too back at, in his prime. And he's been exactly where Jamie is before. And, you know, Ted hits him with a great Tedism off the cuff. And he warns him, don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you, Roy. You know, that's after Roy says youth is wasted on the young and, um, you know, Ted just came up with that line and he feels pretty good about it. Yeah, he yeah. did. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. What you failed to mention is when Jamie drops food directly on his on his, on his chest. Oh, and burns his nippy. Yeah, that oh. I, I, I felt a little bit bad for him there. That would that would be very hurtful. Well, he shouldn't be thoughting out here wearing a shirtless. Ensemble. I mean, he's not. That's why Roy gives him <laughs> shit about that's what shirts are for. Yeah. <laughs> After Rupert's little stunt, Rebecca introduces Rupert and Ted. You get a sense that Ted knows that Rupert is an asshole. You uh, do, but he gets along. You get a sense that Ted knows, but you don't get a sense that Rebecca knows that Ted knows. And so her, the quiet kind of mortification and devastation on her face is like, it's, oh my God, he's even charmed Ted, who I thought was this good guy. Because she, I think she's starting to see Ted as a good guy. And like, oh shit, he's even charmed Ted. Yeah. And you can kind of see it on her face. Yeah. I think that's the face that she's used to having when Rupert does this shit to humiliate her in front of other people. Yeah. You know, like she's, do- it's this face of just like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to save face right now. But she is maybe not even surprised that the Rupert shit is working on Ted as far as she can see because she's used to being in that position yeah it's really I, sad to watch that yeah. whole all of it it's so ugh. but i think when when rupert says that really cruel thing about her outfit and how it's youthful it's amazing that she thinks she can pull it off like whatever that was like that yeah backhanded compliment and like you see rebecca's face start to fall and then it cuts to ted and you see ted in that moment fully clocking who rupert is yeah and looking at her and so that's like I think that's I think he had his suspicions beforehand, but I think that's when he really clocks 
who he is, who he truly is. Yeah. Because, you know, there's people that are just charming assholes that, like, you can go and be with and, like, have a good time with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there are people who are cruel. And I, he clocks him as someone who is cruel. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah. And also remember back in episode one, right? Ted was like, uh, you know, the good times aren't good for everybody. Like yeah, he kind of learned that the good times are not always good for everyone. Yeah. Like he kind of has his finger on Rupert. And the more he interacts with Rupert, the more, uh, you know, fine tuned his read on Rupert gets, but he's kind of known out the gate. Something's off with Rupert, you know? So Rupert kind of likewise uh, takes to Ted's charm, but he doesn't love their last two losses though. And Ted says, well, maybe they'll turn it around. Rupert kind of tongue in cheek says that he believes him. Rupert asks Rebecca whether she believes him, believes Ted. And, you know, it's kind of awkward. Uh, Rebecca takes a big sip of her wine and says, of course she believes in Ted. He's exactly what they needed. This is a face that she's putting on uh, for Rupert at this moment. But by the end of this episode, Rebecca becomes fully team Ted. So I think she's going to start living those words pretty soon. Yeah, she really does. She really kind of gets onto it. I also do have a question with this. Why did she bow out of the auction? Yes. So that was actually like one of the next things in my note. And I was going to ask you exactly the same thing. And, you know, I think maybe she's used to handling Rupert in that way. Just give him what he wants, basically. I Yeah, I think it's that. I think she is somewhat defeated in this moment. Yes. And um, just doesn't want to deal with it to a certain extent. Yeah. But I also think that um, she knows he's she, he's better at it than her. Like, yep. they can get more money. And so, like, and I think she has, like, whereas Rupert is there to show her up to a certain extent. Yeah. She is just like, no, I am here for, like, I am here. Like, we are here for a reason. For the children. I, yeah, for the children's. Like, yeah. that's what she is. She is there for. That I had exactly those two things written down. But I was yeah. still like, it, it did seem kind of abrupt. So I think there were multiple yeah. reasons. And I kind of do like that the show doesn't really touch on it. They just yeah. kind of proceed forward. Yeah. I, I would bet that there is a, a pattern of behavior for them. He's a certain way. She's a certain way in response. So I think that that's why it happens yeah. so quickly. Because it does happen very quickly. Her change in, in her stance on that. A couple other things I noticed. Okay, so one, Rupert negs the fuck out of Rebecca. Like he does. And he seems like the type to do that. And he's controlling. It's implied that he is controlling. And and, especially in later scenes. Yeah. And you know that someone who's so insecure in themselves that they can't help but find any opportunity to put somebody else down. Like that's the mark of like a truly insecure person to me. Like a dangerously insecure person. Yeah, he's well, like I think I well, I think that's I, I I think all controlling behavior comes from insecurity. Like, yeah. yeah, that's so. I think it's. I think you're right. I think that's why. Like, even in this, even in this divorce, I think the reason why he's so spiteful, she's one. Like, the, he can use the press to put her down, but they've divorced. She took. It sounds like she took like half of his money. It was a nasty divorce that she got a lot of money from, and most importantly, somehow she got the thing he clearly loved most. Yes, yeah. soccer team. 
good for football, her whatever very and like first so, wives club energy yes and so she's got that like she's got something over him so he needs to sweep in and occasionally put her down remind her basically in his mind remind her of his uh, remind wait her. i'm getting my pronouns remind her of her place yep which is okay he's got this thing but it's temporary and he'll eventually figure out a way to crush her again mold her into what he wants her to be yeah and it's probably the case that he's always done that too like she seems to indicate that he's always done that so even before she had even before the divorce basically yeah um, it's, it's implied he's very 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 controlling yeah and just uh, it's it's abuse basically what it is yeah yeah um, it's emotional abuse yeah at the end of ted and rupert's exchange ted mentions that robbie williams has canceled on rebecca rupert apparently knows him and selflessly offers to text him and get his ass over there uh, ted says that he'll run it up the flagpole to rebecca i just want to point out a couple things about ted here one he handled this situation with such adeptness like his interpersonal skills are good he, yes he has good ones yeah and i and i think i think you can tell that um what i like about and, and to give credit to the actor who plays rupert you can tell he is charmed by ted to a certain extent that he might like he does like him, right? But still thinks he is beneath him. Like that he is some podunk, hayseed, rude he probably, American. He probably he thinks everyone him, is beneath him. Yes, but he finds him charming enough. Like you can tell he finds him charming in his way. The way that everyone finds Ted charming. Yeah. And, and that disarms even somebody like Rupert a little bit. Mm. He's let the mask slip a little bit more than I think he realizes. Mm, mm, and so. because he thinks, I think he thinks Ted is stupid. St- dumb, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Or like too uncultured to realize what he is being talked down to. Mm-mm. I really think it's not so much that he's dumb, maybe, but that he is too uncultured to realize when he is being talked down to. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love the show also. They tell you that Ted is incredibly cultured. He is. Yeah. But I think we should continue, continue on. And I believe the next one is, is this where the bidding starts? This is where the bidding starts. And so, it's on Jamie. Yeah. You know, Rupert starts doing the auction, which he, he gets up on stage and he fronts like he was conjoled into doing it. Yeah. You know, what a smarmy, ugh, gross. Uh, first up on the block is Jamie Tart, as you said. He practically begs Keeley to bid on him to save him from this this old cooch that's in the uh, audience that's a it's it, it's played as funny i get it but like uh. if it was this is one of those things where i think the culture hasn't quite picked up whereas if the roles were reversed it would not be funny oh well they would never even auction off women that's not a thing like yeah. the, the date auction thing is like I think they, they used then. to but i don't they don't do it anymore for obvious yeah. reasons yeah and i think I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sh- and I'm sure it's all above board. And most of the time it's for like making licentious. Is licentious the word? Is that the word I'm looking for? No. Uh, lascivious? Like, lascivious. Yes. Oh, lascivious? Okay. 
So, anyway, but making basically slightly kind of off-color raunchy jokes. Yeah. And that's fine when it's all in good fun, but like that lady was clearly like a little too horned up. Mm. And it mm. would not have played well. Oh uh, yeah. If the sexes were reversed. But she was a big old horn dog. And you know, you know what it's nice. You know what it is, right? What? It's it's Eartha. Well, I don't know if you know this. It's Eartha Kit from Boomerang. Like that's what she's doing. Like she's playing like the, you know, the older woman who's like, you know, this like ravenous, you know, sex craze thing that's going to devour these young men. So I loved it. I loved her whole thing. And I she, she's kind of love it too. But yeah. I, like I didn't like it would have been fine if Jamie was like okay with it, but I didn't. I don't know. Like, it's just it, comedy. They're they're playing it I for get comedy. I it, but it would not it would not have been funny the other way. No, um, yeah, and, and so, I don't I don't like that. That's why she's yeah. So she's out here like hound dogging, you know, these people. Yeah. Um, but wait, the plot thickens when a young, supposedly hot woman in a green dress. I say supposedly hot because I'm not into it. In a green dress, starts bidding on Jamie as well. And this gets Keely in the game. She bids an insane amount of money to win Jamie. I think yeah. it was like 25,000 pounds or something like that. Yeah, which is, I think at that time, close to $50,000. Yeah. And it's like, I wouldn't have taken Keely for the jealous type, one. And then two, uh, Keely, you got ripped off because you bought your own yeah. boyfriend. Yeah, but I, I think I think she's doing it because she realizes what's happening. Yeah. Like, I think she, even before Rebecca does later tell her in the bathroom what's going on, I think he, I think... Like, I think she knows. I think she knows this is a setup of some kind. And mm. she, like, she loses either way. So she might as well win in this one, one mm. particular aspect. So after Jamie's auctioned off to his own girlfriend, Ted walks outside, I guess, to go find Rebecca and ask yeah, he, her about he, Rupert's offer to text Robbie Williams. I think he also knows that she's not right. She didn't, you know, she's having a rough time of it. Yeah. Yeah, because he he was he was like he was on her like white on rice this whole episode like he was time, so she's upset about Rupert's stunt in basically taking over the gala and seemingly dragging her back to a place where she's right back under his thumb, just yeah. like how how it was in their marriage. And with watery eyes, she tells Ted all about how she used to think Rupert's blunt honesty was noble rather than what it really is, which is just the cruelest way of hiding his own insecurities. He'd say wear this or eat that and she would listen and i mean just the saddest thing yeah in the world. and to see her to see such a powerful woman brought back to that place and you can right. see like when she's trying to reclaim it and i gotta say ted is just he's lovely he's absolutely lovely in this moment he is yes. truly like he sees her he sees that she's hurt and if this was a lesser show like it would be played for there would there would be some maybe romance in this moment and there's not there's truly not it's just genuine kindness and yeah. i truly love it you're right um, if, if it was a lesser show they would have mucked up this moment i agree they would there would have been like at least something like there would have been like some awkwardness or like ooh kind of deal and there's a part of me that loves that i won't lie um because i was raised in the same american culture that everyone else was but like he is truly wonderfully like supportive and just lovely to her in a way you rarely see yeah it's just it's just wonderful it's truly wonderful yeah 
he comforts her in this moment I think as, as anyone would do but it's it's very genuine and so it stands out especially compared to the fact that he's been trying to kind of um you know get her to to like him right and so all of that artificial you know over the top he was, he was like doing. Ted turned to like 11 or 12 to try and break like he was forcibly trying to break down her yeah. walls and but like all of that was unnecessary right it, it was the genuine moment that got Rebecca well I think I think that's the issue is I think he I think he still needed to do that to get her here but I think yes, what yeah. I think what happened and I think why it's important that you see it that at, at this moment he's probably at like a three or a four and like you know he's low-key Ted lassoing instead of like overdrive Ted Lassoing but yeah at his core it's still the same the sincere care he has for other people and the fact that like he makes no attempt to turn this to his advantage to use this to his like you know to he he makes like there there is no subterfuge there is no under the cover like there's there's nothing there's no subtext there's there's nothing there it's just he sees her hurting and he wants to help yeah. And I think that's kind of where the reason this is, I think, where they truly start to become friends here. Totally agree. Yeah, this this is their um, kind of origin moment. Yeah, and, it's great. And it's in the way that maybe neither of them expected or maybe they would least expect. It's a very heartfelt, private, deep, emotional confession in an alley outside of a fancy gala where Rebecca is in this moment where she was dressed down, brought to this really vulnerable place in front of her subordinate. Um, and I can't say she didn't expect it. She didn't expect for Rupert to even be there. Um, yeah. So she's, and, and it's already in an advantage where she's clearly nervous about the whole thing. We see yeah. that she's nervous before. And so like, and Rupert really takes advantage of that to wrong foot her throughout the entire night. Yeah. So her, her vulnerability being off guard, meeting Ted's, essential kindness is is what made this moment happen for them yeah and um, and it's beautiful yeah it's truly beautiful and but it, it's also real sad because then at the end she says and now i'm alone i'm alone just like he said i would be if i left which is what abusers do um and and she says i don't want to be alone and so it's 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 just a gut-wrenching scene yeah and again if this were a lesser lesser thing like ted would reply like you don't have to be alone or there would be like some romantic inkling but there's not he is just letting her kind of bear her soul and offering comfort in return yeah beautiful it's truly beautiful being a friend and so he offers to hire a nick by a nearby rickshaw to get rebecca the hell out of there but she turns it down she puts on a brave face to go and finish what she started there you go rebecca and she also notes that she's glad that Rupert took over the auction. This kind of goes back to one of our questions. Um, they love him and she knows that he'll raise more money from this crowd, you know, mm-hmm. than she would have. Uh, back inside, Roy meets Jamie over at the bar and they have a chat while they finish their drinks. Roy tells the young one about an old geezer who was around when he was coming up in the club, uh, Doug Stashwick. And Doug was always on Roy. They hated each other. And Roy goes on to explain that they turned things around and won the league by doing the same thing that Yankee Doodle, a.k.a. Ted, (laughs) is pushing for them to do now, which is to sit down and tell each other exactly why they think the other one is a prick. So, you know, and I don't know if this is a, a, 
a great idea, but it works in the show. <laughs> I it can works. see this like, I, I don't, leading like, to a fight again. <laughs> well, like sometimes I actually think this is a, if as long as it's like handled, like it could go well or it could go wrong. But I think, I think it actually in certain scenarios, like it can work because it could just be a lot of the times I think it could be a misunderstanding. In this case, it's not. Jamie is a prick. Like Roy has his number. Um, I also love that Roy is doing this because Roy is listening to Ted, even though he like mm-hmm. kind of hates him. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really hate him. He just finds him aggravating that he's right. And I love it. But yes. he still does it because he knows he's right. He's anyway. so annoyed. Yeah. But, yeah. He's so annoyed by Ted and like still when he'll listen. Yeah. So I think like, I think in th- like in real life, this could also help too, because like sometimes it can just be like, it can just you never know what's going on in another person's head and you might have done something that's very hurtful and unforgivable Yeah. Um, to that person. Not unforgivable, but like, and it could just be um, you weren't Me thinking too. that day. And so like, I, I could see this, this technique working yeah. to really resolve something like core if you're open and honest about it. But yeah, you're, or it could, and horribly. I feel like it would be excellent if there was a therapist there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, I, I think that's right. Because sometimes you just need to get it out and clear the air. Yeah. So Roy suggests that they give it a try. And it's a pretty revealing conversation. Roy says that he knows that he should pass to Jamie, but that he doesn't because Jamie's so self and arrogant as a player that it makes him puke. And I can see that, Roy. I can totally see it. Uh, Jamie reveals that he once had a poster of Roy on his wall as a child so cute i mean that's a a a nice little piece of information for him to reveal and it makes me think about little boy jamie and what he must have been like he he used to love watching roy and but you know as we all know roy is not the player that he used to be and based on his past career jamie feels like he walks around expecting everybody to kiss his ring which is also a true statement (laughs) so two true statements there it is a little bit but I think I think the issue is that Roy is a little bit more bluster. I think he's using his status to kind of intimidate people, I guess, a little bit. I noticed that they're very different in many ways. Like these are two completely opposite men in so many different ways. But this chat illuminated something they have in common, which is they're both arrogant in their own way. Like they both have an arrogance about them. And the arrogance is what's ticking off you know one the other about about the other one um which is so the case in real life a lot of times a lot of times I, when you don't like people it's because the similarity in you that you don't like yes and i could see but i like i still think obviously roy is like roy is at least willing to try and like i think we see to a certain extent roy's arrogance is put on it is it is specifically to drive people away yeah but not necessarily be cruel Whereas Jamie's arrogance is to be cruel. It, it might be the it might be out of protect self-protection too. But we know, yeah, but we learn that later. Yeah. Like so in these scenes, it's it's you know, yeah, it, it just is cruelty. Whereas with Roy, it's made it clear that like, yeah, he's arrogant, yeah, he's a bit of a jerk, but like like it's all bluster. A lot yeah. of Roy is bluster and it's and it's clear. It's the personality he's chosen to adopt. Yes. And he probably wouldn't even know exactly how to let that go. Although we see him. The the cool thing about Roy's arc in the show is that we see him kind of 
become more comfortable with showing his real personality. So I, I love that. I think it is part, like, I think his crotchiness is re- part of his real personality. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's legitimate, but it's the degree to which he yeah. shows that crotchiness. crotchiness. Yeah. Or like, which he tones it down to a certain yep. extent. Right. And lets other parts of him show through. Yeah. So from this conversation, they come to an understanding. They pretty much squash their beef with each other. Doug and Roy, Doug was the old guy back in Roy's day, um, never became friends. In fact, Roy hopes I, to be- I love that. I fuck <laughs> no, I hope he's dead. Yeah. Roy hopes he's dead. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's hope that these two, even if they can't become friendly, maybe they'll be cordial. And they toast to Jamie saying, here's to you dying. So I love that. I love it. Jamie still had to get his little dig in, you know. He does. He couldn't just let it in. He's the worst. So back at the tables, Rupert flags Ted down. He asks about the Robbie Williams thing again, saying that he can get him over if Rebecca wants. And Ted, again, showing great interpersonal skills, lies. Sometimes you have to tell a little white lie. And he says he couldn't find Rebecca. So again, Ted has this guy's number. And I love that he has this number. That's what I have in my notes. Ted has Rupert's numbers. Did you really? It says, oh, wow. It's like it, he clearly has caught, he's clocked this guy so clearly. Yep. And he goes, goes on a spiel that it goes, well, if you have his number to call him over here, then it occurs to me that you might have his number to warn him, you know, that if you could have called him to say not to come. Exactly. And I love it. I love it. I like that Ted just confronts him with that obvious truth. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, you, you go around here, because manip- Rupert's very manipulative. He goes around manipulating everybody. That happens, especially with like powerful, rich men, because mm-hmm. nobody calls them on it. So I yeah. like it that Ted called him on it and saying, I know that you're being manipulative right now. Loved it. Yeah. And I like, and I, and I like the way that Rupert reacts to it because, huh. well, I like the way he reacts to it. He goes, because you can see kind of like, like he's being, yeah, he's, for the first time in a long time, he's being called out on his shit. Yep. And it's, and it's wild. Yeah. My, my reaction, my hook was at the audacity of that guy. Yeah. Um, like, and that actor, like, yeah, I think you said you like, you liked his acting, like his I reading love, of the I lines. Love him. I he love is, him so he is, he is very good because he's coming off as the grossest human being in the world. Like, yeah, we're going to go into it, that in our segment section. Yeah. They casted this this role the Rupert role perfectly and and what yeah and what he says was now that would make me a real piece of shit wouldn't it and the way that he says that where it's like he's kind of fucking with Ted but he's also revealing to Ted that he knows that he's being a manipulative piece of shit that that's who he knows who he is he's okay with it well actually i don't think so i was watching this a little closely i think he's i don't think he's okay with it i think he is slightly disappointed in himself like I, yeah i like that you say that because i think it can be read i think it's meant to be read both ways and uncomfortable as fuck go ahead uh, yeah yeah that's that's kind of what i'm thinking is is that like i think that's one of the reasons why i think he manipulates people and no one calls him on it so he can pretend to be the good guy like and never be called on the fact that he's a piece of shit and so yeah. ted subtly calls him on and he's a piece of shit and in this moment he has this kind of flash realism like he's admitting to himself a little bit yes that, yes i am a piece of shit which is but why it, it's so creepy Ooh. yeah it was very creepy 
Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like basically, you know, everything that you said, you've touched on what I wanted to say about it. Um, those people like this, like people that will willingly kind of debase themselves, the whole like him knowing he's a piece of shit thing mm -hmm. in order to have something over somebody else are the most dangerous type of people in the world to me. Like yeah, I, if I run into a person like that, I'm immediately just like, nope. I, I got to get away from you immediately. Rebecca's and, um, only say like he like I like that it's not that show because it could get very dark very quickly. But yeah. Rebecca is only protected by her wealth from him. Like if she if she hmm. had not gotten out with money, yeah, and a lot of it clearly, she would be in a lot of trouble. Mm. I, yeah, I think that's right. He, he's because like, he can only emotionally fuck with her. But like if he if if she hadn't been. Like this would be a much darker show. Yeah, he, much he, darker. He's an, he's an abuser. I mean, I think that's pretty. Yeah. Clear. Um, yeah. but yeah, people like that—they're so unpredictable and dangerous. I would sooner hang out with a serial killer than yeah. I would with somebody like that for an instant period of time. Like, yeah. at, at least I can, you know, fight the killer. I don't—I don't know what the hell Mister Manipulative is doing. You know? Yeah. Um. So right at that moment, Notorious Hig comes up to Ted. And he's still working on finding a replacement for the musical act. Ted has a bright idea and he recruits Higgins to go help him look for Dirty Jason Mraz um, mm. outside and his one man band. Mm. Uh, in the next bit, there's a meeting in the ladies room. I love this meeting. Uh, great song um, between Rebecca and Keely and Rebecca seeking to return the favor of Keely looking out for her on the red carpet. And, and I think there's a deeper reason she too but she drops a bomb uh on keely about the lady in the green dress um who was bidding on jamie that that lady was jamie's other plus one so this is like a setup from jamie he he's got two dates basically yeah um, yeah and the fact that i think keely is not like you don't see her react kind of shocked is no, she handles she, it in stride well yeah i think that's it i think she know like she's like that's why they i think there's a part of her that knew originally she knows the game yeah she knows the game like yeah so she says she's dated a footballer when she was 18 he was 23 now she's 30 and she's still dating a 23 year old footballer keely knows what kind of person jamie is personally she knows what kind of life he leads what kind of privilege he has due to his career the way he looks like whatever whatever and she kind of knows that she's almost slumming it with him, right? So she knows what's up. Don't hate the player, hate the game kind of thing. And she also knows that, you know, these football players that she's dating, they're simple, they're rich, they're fit. Uh, and Rebecca gently reminds Keely that accountability is also maybe something that you would want a man to have. And she leaves her with a martini and that little nugget of truth to save her. Yeah. I like that, like, Keely is aware, like, it shows, because I think it shows a lot about Keely there, like, yeah, she knows she's too good for Jamie, but, like, she's not really, like, she is equally not taking the relationship seriously. Yep. Like, she's in it to have fun. The reason I think she, she reacted so poorly to the um, auction is because Jamie got one past her. Like, I think she kind of thought, like, her pride was wounded a little bit, I think. It's not um, so much, it's not, I'm, I'm rethinking about it. I think her pride was wounded that she kind of let Jamie got one past her. Yeah, I like that read. I, I, yeah, I think there's something in there like that. You can kind of see that on her face maybe when, she, when yeah. that's happening. So the other reason that I think Rebecca does this, or clearly it's the reason, Rebecca 
practices a little bit of the golden rule here. I think that she would have wanted to have somebody, somebody tell her. She, she says that. She says it to Higgins, uh, episode one or two. She, wanted yeah. to ha- she would have wanted somebody to tell her that Rupert was cheating on her and no one did. And so now that she has the opportunity to help, help Keely out in this way, she's not going to let Keely go out like that if she can help it. Roy's up on the auction block next. He's so hostile. I love it. And uh, oh, but that doesn't stop like the the old lady from trying to get him. You know what I mean? Listen, but she's 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 not wrong. You know what I mean? She's but, old. Listen, she's not... I, I don't I don't particularly approve of, of her behavior, but I can understand it, especially where Roy Kent is concerned. Mm-hmm. She's old, but she's not dead. Uh, and so Keely and Jamie are in the middle of a tiff. Uh, he claims that Bex, that's the lady in the green dress, was at the gala as a marketing gimmick. And he also found it oh so funny how Keely was jealous, you know. Well, Keely decides to give him a bit of his own medicine. She bids on Roy in an attempt to make Jamie jealous. And who can blame you? Keely, I would have done the same thing. Uh, but she doesn't win because she gets, they're, they're fighting at the table, you know, and she gets so pissed at Jamie, who's trolling and nagging her that she storms off rather than continue to suffer him anymore. Yeah, I, what I think of that in this scene is Roy is clearly so hurt. He, again, this is another bit of, I think, truly excellent acting. Yeah. It's like, you see, he starts, she starts to bid on him and he is like, really? Like he, he perks gets, up. He perks up a little mm-hmm. bit. You see it yeah. in his face and then you see that, oh no, this is not real. I am yeah. being used in a way to like, and like you see like the quiet kind of devastation on his face yeah. in it. And but, it's like, oh, I thought she really might have liked me. The actors on this show are great at the little micro expressions. They're very, they're very good at the subtle acting. They're so good at that, which and is I, hard to do. Yeah. And I think the reason you can really tell that this is working and like, because, and I think it's, it's good. Obviously the actor has to sell it. But I think the one thing is, is that if this was like, if he didn't care, he would have started to give Keely shit from the stage. Like he would have been Roy Kent. He would have been grouchy, grouchy, grouchness in the face. Mm. And like, he's not, he's quiet. He's quiet. Yeah. He's interested in what's happening. And that's. Yeah. yeah. If he wasn't into it, he would have been fucking with her from that stage. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Like it's, and I think it's, a, it's another one that I think the actor does so well is these little peaks into, cause like Roy could read is such, it's like literally like a gaping asshole. But he never does. And he does wear his heart on his sleeve to a certain yeah, extent. He does. And it's Brett Golsing's acting. He, he's like Oscar the Grouch, you know, where it's like, you're a grouch, but you're charming, you know? Yeah. And it's okay that you live in a fucking trash can. Well, no, it's not, never okay to live in a trash can. <laughs> uh, okay, so Rupert's being a typical bastard. Oh, one thing I wanted to note before moving on. Jamie in the scene, the fight with Keely at the table, he is giving off a lot of Rupert-like qualities. The nagging, the trolling, the gaslighting. Damn. You're not I, wrong. I just noticed that. You, I, yeah, when you started to say it, I'm like, you're not wrong. Um, so anyway, moving on. Rupert's being a typical bastard. Uh, and he just has to upstage Rebecca one final time. He donates a million pounds to the cause, more than doubling Rebecca's goal of 800000 I think. And then he dashes off to go hit on Bex, the lady in the green dress. After that, I've never been so happy to see Ted walking up with one of his nutty little schemes. Because yeah. you, just, you just needed the, the tension release. So like, Ted, what do you got? You got something good, Ted? Like, bring, bring it on, please. 
because yep. it was so sad for Rebecca. Um, he introduces Dirty Jason Mraz. I mean, I his um, name's technically Cam Cole. <laughs> Cam Cole. <laughs> yes. And Which, un- I don't know if you clocked this. The man has a nose tattoo. I did see that because I thought it was dirt at first. And then I was like, and I looked closer and I was like, oh, no, that's it. Oh, that's no. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's an undiscovered mega talent. And my boy Cam proceeds to tear the house down. He does. So Ted, again, not judging books by his covers, was just like, hey, you know what? I, I like the little ditties this man plays on the street corners. Let me go get him in a, pit, a pinch. And he was right. And can I, I want to point out some things about the dancing here. So one, I won uh, my, my boo heart, Sam, and all the, all the Black people were the people that got up to dance first and got the party started. Uh-huh. That shit was hilarious to me because I was like, that's exactly how it would be. In real I do. Life. I do love when uh, the though I gotta know. I do love when the music takes over Higgins and he does that like little head toss. He and, does like, his goes he- in. He does his little <laughs> head bang. That was my other thing. I was. Yeah, he does his out. little head toss and like rolls in. Yeah, that was adorable. Adorable ass Higgins. Oh, um, that was great. Okay, and then the other thing that I have. Oh, so Higgins does his little dancing but beard why why is beard so weird did you notice beard's dancing oh he's back he's thrashing he's a, he, it's it's implied that he's into like metal or mosh pits oh okay. that's like mosh like that's what that's that what, what he's doing yeah oh is that what people do okay so i didn't know that that's what i have i have observed mosh pits from a he's safe like distance head, he's like headbanging <laughs> like that's like that's the kind of dancing he's doing Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So weirdo beard. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And he's um, loose and he loses and he loses and Jane kind of gets mad at him. Right. And that's why he's dancing like that. Cause Jane had already left him at that point. Right. Cause he had to win. Like, cause he didn't quite re- like he, he, his ego couldn't tolerate him. Like Ugh. he won the game of, of mental chess and it's clear like for Jane, it wasn't about the game. He, she was flirting with him and he yeah. had to win. And it was like, come on. And she wanted to drop the game and he kept going, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, I have been in a, in a mosh pit accidentally. And I just stood there. Like, oh. I, I refused to participate. You were very lucky you did not get hurt. I, I know, but I was being a curmudgeon and I was like, I refused to do this. Dude, because you people, were, people were they were moshing to something that is not moshable. Like, it was a slow ass you know, pop, pop, jam band song. Whatever. Like, it wasn't a mosh You were lucky you did not catch an elbow. Oh, and, uh, I was ready. I, I was stanced up because I was like, let somebody come near me and I'm swinging. So I was ready for that. I'm not saying I would have gotten out of there, but I definitely would have landed a few you punches. You should have just left. <laughs> I wasn't going to leave because it was I was doing the more appropriate thing. I was there to see a pop rock group. It was pop music. I'm standing here. I'm going to sway back and forth. There is no reason to mosh. So I'm not leaving. I paid sure. my money. I sure. paid my money. Sure. Um, <laughs> at the end of the night, after Rupert says goodbye to Rebecca and walks off with young Bex, uh, Ted comes up to her and tells her something really sweet that I'm sure that she needed to hear. Uh, and it's, again, Ted being 100% on the money. This whole episode, he says, you may think you're the only one that sees who he really is, but you're not. And that go- goes back to the point uh, that you were making earlier about how when they were first interacting, the three of them, you know, it wasn't so clear that Rebecca knew that Ted, that Ted knew. knew. Yeah, and I like him showing her hand in this. I also like that um, Rebecca is so gracious in this scene where yeah. where um, he is leaving with Bex because it lets, like, 
she doesn't realize it. She doesn't realize it. You know she doesn't quite clock it because she's just so, it's been such an exceptional, like an exceptionally stressful and emotional night for her. But there's this look Rupert gives her when he's leaving. And he, I think he glances back at her a little bit. Yeah. Where she's just legitimately just selfish and she has not risen to his jabs the entire night. And you see her and Ted is there and like, like he is like Ted has kind of bolstered her confidence. Ted and Keely have bolstered her confidence a little bit. And she's just legitimately gracious with him. Right? And yeah. you see him like kind of throw his, his his jacket over your shoulder and walk off. And he gives this little glance of like, Rebecca has gotten under his skin with that one. Yep. Like she has won the night and she doesn't realize it. Yeah. I don't think. That's right. But he does. She she doesn't let him take her out of her character. If anything, I feel like it reminds her of who she truly is. Yeah. And, and I think that that's why you get the kindness that she shows back to to Ted because I I would like there I don't think there's much in the show to say this, but I would like to think that Rebecca in that moment kind of thinks, "What the hell am I doing?" Like, this guy was an asshole to me, and now I'm going to be an asshole to other people behaving the same way in that gaslighty weird way that he does. I would like to think that maybe that's when she chooses to drop the whole thing. Maybe. And it, I love the, the, I see who he really is moment from Ted, because sometimes you just need to hear from somebody else that you're not crazy. Yeah. I think she's probably been told and seen in the media that, Oh, he's this dashing man and he's so charming and everyone's like, blah, blah, blah. And then Ted sidles up after, especially after he is, like you see him kind of goofing, goobering around, goofing around earlier in the episode, and you see Rebecca have this that oh shit, he has charmed Ted too. Yeah. And then he's like, no, he didn't. He didn't get me. No. I know exactly what's going on. I know he's an absolute jerk. And Rebecca just being so relieved. It's lovely. It's lovely. Yeah. Again, it's lovely. So in the last couple of scenes, Keely's in the process of breaking it off with Jamie. Roy storms up to her to tell her not to use him as a prop in their little fights. It makes him feel bad. I um, love, I love this. I love I'm this like, scene. Oh God, Roy Kent. Well, like, it, like it's one of those things where, like, he's not as gruff as he normally is. He's brisk, but he's not as gruff. And like, that's just how you can tell that she has legitimately hurt his feelings. Yeah. Like, and I also like the fact that, like. Roy forever whatever you want to say about him is a hyper masculine man yeah. and he just storms up to her and directly goes you hurt my feelings yeah and bless her heart Keely looks stricken she does and like I think that's why he kind of and she goes I'm so sorry You're right I shouldn't have done that yeah and I think that's kind of why he like Roy just forgives her instantly and they yeah. and kind of goes off they like, have yeah yeah Go ahead. They're perfect together. I've, we've been through this before. I said it last time. I love them so much as a couple. I want the actors to get married in real life. I yeah. want it to be a real thing because they are so lovely together. They're good. They have good chemistry. Their communication with each other is just great. Um, yeah. And they have such a mature exchange here. He pointed out a wrong. She apologized. He immediately accepts. 
it's such a stark contrast from what she was just going through with Jamie, who was trying to gaslight his way out of cheating and on playing her, games. And you know, you, yep. we've all been young and like the bullshit you pull. Like, yeah, that's why I, I really don't bullshit like well, that. But I, well, I mean, like, like, you don't know yourself. Like, I don't know. It's not bullshit, but like, you don't know yourself well enough to be truly openly honest yep, yep, with, yep. with your partner when you're young. Yep, that's why yep. I, again, this is life advice from Julia, which is don't get married before you're 25. Mm. You are not a real person before <laughs> you're 25. You're I really not. If there more. are any young people listening to this who take offense, offense about that, I don't care. You're young and you don't know what you're talking about. Listen yep. to me. Uh, I have 36. Uh, I I have more life advice. I have more life experience than you. Like, you are not a real person until you're- you turn 25. Like, you are not fully set. You're not fully formed. You do not have the life experience necessary to enter into such a huge life-changing decision of getting married before you're 25. Yeah. Plus I had a friend who got married at 24 and was divorced two years later. Yeah. Like most, like the overwhelming, like, I think it's like, they say that like most marriages end in divorce. It's like 50, it's like over 50 now, yep. except if you get married older. Yeah. Because you can, like, you are a full and open and, and like you're a full person at that point. It's the young marriages that have a high, high divorce rate and for good reason. Yeah. If you get married at 22, I was a fucking maniac at 22. I don't know that I was like, <laughs> I could, if, any, if anyone married me, it would have been disastrous. But also maybe don't listen to me. I'm not married at all. I've never been married and I'm 36. Mm-hmm. So who knows? That's because I'm a very difficult person. <laughs> uh, but, but if you do choose to get married, then it'll last for a long time, right? Isn't that what you just said? That's yeah. Statistically uh, yeah. speaking. Statistically likely. But again, I am under no delusion that I am like primetime marriage material. I am very difficult. That's not what this conversation this this conversation is about. But so, yeah. Yeah, like I, I agree with all that. That's why they don't let you rent a car until you're 25, right? Well you mm-hmm. do, you can you have to pay a much higher premium. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, your like insurance like, is high and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a premium. Um, you can rent. You they don't let you rent until I think you're 21 or something. I don't know. It's been a uh, very long time. Something like that. But yeah, he's young and stupid. Basically, he's young. I and have stupid. I have in my notes that he's a shirtless man boy. So he is a shirt. That is an excellent excellent description. Yeah, and they break up. So they bre- yeah. It. She ends it, rips the band aid right on off. Yeah, because and- she knows she's having a moment of clarity. Come on, clarity. And she basically tells him, you know, being accountable matters. They're done. Loved it. Loved it. I I like simple ass breakups. You know what I mean? I like, like, this shit's not working for XYZ. Cool. Uh, Bye. So, (laughs) so Ted catches up with Beard to comfort him about things not going well with his date, Jane. Also, we learned that Ted got a return voicemail from his wife and she and Henry. I hope they call him Little Hank. I hope they call him Hank for short. Are coming My dad's out- name is Hank. I, I have mixed feelings on that. Oh, because you don't like the kid, right? No, <laughs> I, I understand that he's white is there. It is it is whatever, but mm-hmm. I, I really don't like a, I just my Hank is uh my dad's name. My dad's name is Hank. And so mm-hmm. like the fact that a child would be named Hank is somewhat weirdly disturbing to me. Oh, I like the L of the name. <laughs> Well, you also um, like my dad, I believe. I do like your dad. Everyone uh, likes my dad. I like both of your parents. <laughs> so 
Okay. So that's cool. They're coming next yeah. weekend. So that ought to be interesting. I guess we'll, we'll see some of that. And the last thing we see is the two girls riding off into the moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> and I love re- that they're like laughing and they got Keely just grabs that champagne. Yeah. Oh God. I love, I love uh, Keely so much. They're in a, in a rickshaw and they're free of their, they're, yeah, they're with the champagne that Keely stole free from of the bar. trash men. Hello. Cackling. Come on. They're free of those trash ass dudes and they're celebrating their own power as boss ass women. They're um, great. So that was a great, uh, a great ending. One think. final thought. Yeah. Drinking champagne directly from a bottle is hard. It is I've hard. had multiple times have it come out my nose. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have multiple really times. It like you like that's why you see like if you've seen it and it, like it like I've seen it at weddings where they give you like the little ones they always have like that like spout on the top that yeah. seems to prevent that 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 issue yeah but like if you're drinking it straight from the bottom oof, that's that's coming that's out your nose. it'll uh it'll clear your sinuses yep yep um, it's coming right out that note that nose so speaking of um sparkling alcoholic beverages I had a sparkling dark red wine this weekend really oh tell very me good. about it. It was it was, like a dessert wine? No. It, it was a normal, um, it, it would almost put me in the mind of maybe like a Shiraz, you mm. know, um, like hot, high in the fruit um, notes, but not sweet. Mm. And I think that these types of wines are called Lambruscos, if I'm saying that correctly. You can, know I'm an uncultured swine. They can be sweet, but this one wasn't. And it was just refreshing, but it still had the tannins and that nice bite and the high fruit that you would get from a, a red. It was, it was great. You know what? I think when uh, season three premieres, I think I'm going to have to, we, we should throw a party. In we which that, party. I mean, I'm going to drive to your house and crash at your house and we oh, should throw a party. Welcome. We can make biscuits and we can just drink <gasps> way too much wine. Let's make biscuits. Me and your mom on the back deck, me and your mom, just like drinking, getting turned up. Come on. As the kids said. <laughs> yeah. So my, my friend was here this weekend and like half of the time she was with my mom. Like I was like, and they were just chatting away. <laughs> and I was like, can we go? We got to, Hey, t- the clock's ticking. We got to go. We gotta my mom is very charming. But my, she's a lovely, lovely, lovely. Human she's being. wonderful. She's absolutely great. She doing, uh, well, never mind. I'll discuss that a little after. Okay. Uh, so now we get to our segments. Yeah, okay. I'm ready. Yeah. Segments. Okay. And so our first segment is the moment that was life for us this episode or our Oof. favorite moment. Football is live. No, 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 Okay, 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 okay. So one, I might screw this up a little bit because I did them in the wrong order. So if I screw this up, I apologize. My notes are in the wrong order. All right. So this one is my favorite. Is favorite one is Keely and Rebecca on the red carpet. It's just so cute. It's just so. They're just like pure. Like I don't know how the show manages to do like these cute pure moments yeah without it being like saccharine yeah i think a lot of it has to do with the acting yep but it's 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 perfect i totally agree about the acting i think that is the secret yeah okay so my moment that was life this episode was the conversation outside between rebecca and ted outside of the gala yes it was Uh, a toss-up between between those that one yeah it was just so honest and revealing yeah and Rebecca let Ted see the true her um I also said as as I mentioned that I think that she was also reminded of the true her and it was a moment of vulnerability for this you know boss ass bitch character um we've been seeing that 
on and off, but I like that we get to see it with Ted finally. Yes. Um, also, it seems, oh, it feels really good to have a guy have your back platonically. It does. As, as you've kind of noted out, they, they kept those scenes platonic. And it made me miss my old work husband because I had like a thing like that where it was just like, we're cool. We rock together. Whatever goes down, I know that I can count on you because it's not because, you know, you you like me. You think I'm funny. It's not because you want to get with me. It's because you see something valuable in me and vice versa. So I I love those um, relationships. And I had a question. Do you think that Ted and Rebecca are each other's work spouses? Okay. Uh, yes. 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 Well, hmm. To be honest, no. Uh, actually, <laughs> reconsidering, no. Because it's so weird. It's an evolution on that yes. question. Yes. Oh, it is uh, weird. It's it beard. beard. It's yeah. clearly beard. It's beard, yeah. Beard is clearly his, his work husband. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's clearly beard. All right. Um, so what's the next segment? So our be next. A goldfish. Yes. Our next segment is be a goldfish. And this is the moment that you'd like to forget or your least favorite moment. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. Julia, what's your least favorite? Oh, so it's actually a series of moments because, um, it's Rebecca continually bullying Higgins. And I know that Higgins, like she's not yet forgiven him, but to see um, her kind of grow and to see her soften here, uh, and then to just snap back and be cruel to Higgins, mean, not cruel, she's mean. Mm. Mean to Higgins is rough. Yeah. Um, because it, it and I want to say, I, I don't think it actually undercuts the growth she's going through because it, I, think it, I think it shows just how deep her hurt is. For what Higgins did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, what about you? Um, what, what do you want to forget? Yeah. I, you know that I love Higgy Baby. And so, I, I agree with that. I never would have called that out in one of our segments. But I, I think it deserves a call out. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So, least favorite moment. Oh, it was just any moment that Rupert was in. Like, every exchange he had with Rebecca. Yes where he was nagging or gaslighting her every exchange she had with Ted. I just, it was just him. Yeah. The, the yeah. fact that Rupert exists. Yeah. He's the worst. Yeah. Terrible. He's the worst. Terrible. Um, our next segment is biscuits. I brought you a little something. Oh, yeah. Cookies. <laughs> or as y'all call them here, biscuits, right? And this is our favorite character from episode four. Who was it for you? It's Roy fucking Kent all the way, baby. Hey, Roy he Kent. is glorious in this episode. Glorious. He's still so brisk and mean, but he's like quick to forgive and grow. And like, this is, I think kind of that scene when he's in the auction and like <laughs> to, to borrow a phrase from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, he's going on a hell of a face journey there. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Luckily, he's not in a public library in New York City where it's like somewhere where face journeys are allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, like, again, the subtle, like, the acting there is is beautiful. Like, you can, like, like it's, I think one of the first times you see, you see kind of, like, a bit of a chink in the armor. Like, you see it kind of fall away. Like, the subtle and just clear, like, hopefulness when, when um, you know, 
when Keely bets on him is just, it's so sweet. And it's so kind of, it's unexpected a little bit. Um, And just like the fact that he is, like the fact that Ted clearly annoys him. um, And, but he's, he, he realizes he's right. He's going to take his advice and he grows and he's. He, He does. Roy. What about you? A couple, well, just to comment on yours, Roy yes. a couple times made me want to just give him a big old, like one of those big old hugs where you like squeeze somebody and rock them back and forth. I don't think you would tolerate that, but <laughs> yeah, I but do. But he made me want to do it though. Oh, I do. I do. I After like and, the betting thing, I just wanted to give him a hug and like pet his hair. Yeah. Like, it's I'm, okay, sweet boy. It's okay. He is a sweet boy. Uh, and he, he did get a hug in this episode from Nate, so. He did, but we're not the only ones. <laughs> we're not the only ones wanting to hug Roy Kent. Yeah. Uh, so mine, my favorite character this episode was the old bitty that was oh, beating on the young she footballers. Was funny. She was funny. I know what else I loved about her is that she looked exactly like Florence Leachman. Uh, like a little bit. I, I liked it. I liked her uh, whole vibe. I just, I want to yeah, be like I, an old menace when I get old. Like I want to be an old menace, but I don't know <laughs> that I want to like harassment. Yeah, yeah, because it's not good. It's not. It's not. It's not a good look. But it's it, not a good look. No, it's not a good look. But she was dressed well. I wish she had old lady hair, which I didn't like. But she, otherwise, she was she was looking great. Uh, she was looking top notch. I loved I loved mm-hmm. her dress. But yeah, she was she was she had some life left in her, and I like that. Mm-hmm. That's she a way to put spirited. it. Mm-hmm. A way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so our next segment is hot brown water. You know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Ooh, okay, so this is going to be Rupert. Rupert is my least favorite character this week. I hated yep. him, hated him, hated him, hated him, and a lot of it has to be has to do with the fact of the actor who plays him. So I do. I think his name is Rupert Head. It's actually so oh. Rupert is his actual name. Let me Google that. Where? But um, he was. Uh, I don't know if you watched it, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was Giles, and oh. I loved 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 giles as a character on hmm. uh, like he you know he's he's the watcher he's this kinder older man um and he's just so sweet like like he's just so good in that show to so to see him oh sorry his name is anthony head so it's not rupert but no. anyway his name is anthony <laughs> um and so like to see him well i think his name is rupert giles um anyway maybe matter. that's what it was yeah. that's where i think i'm getting my wires crossed but um yeah so he was giles and so like to see him kind of transition from like this what was a kind of like a father figure um and a stuffy british kind of father figure to this evil little slime bag just like hurts my heart every time that he's on screen (laughs) like it just hurts it hurts my heart it does hurt when your actors do that yep yeah like i'm impressed by his acting ability like truly i am he's a very good actor but like oof oof i love giles i love him so much um i didn't watch buffy the series i but i do remember seeing him on like commercials or whatever or like clips I've seen from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched and I was a huge fan of the original movie. Um, I think you showed it to me and I was like, why? Like, <laughs> I was like, I watched it. and I was like, no, but watch TV show. 
Uh, I think it was still, I think it's final season was when we were in college. Probably so. I think that's right. And I watched it because, oh, I love Buffy. Yeah. So, so most of the Buffy fans I have nothing in common with, but I, I also consider myself a, a Buffy fan. I don't know. You're a maniac. If, maybe You're one a day. Goddamn maniac. Maybe one day I'll watch the series. I don't know. Uh, some of it doesn't really hold up very well. Hmm. I guess I'll have to find out. Yeah. Uh, so, and oh, so I have to go on the. Yes, for, you do. Who is for, your least? Yeah. Who's your hot brown water? I would give hot brown water to Rupert as well. Us, uh, so we're the greatest. Yeah. He is the worst. Um, yeah. And to quote an immutable, though sometimes pitchy, songstress, Janae Aiko. <laughs> um, he's the worst and uh, we don't need him. Although at some point, Rebecca may have loved him. Mm, yeah. Yeah. He's just, I like that you called out when we were discussing that his behavior is abusive. Cause like, I didn't, I didn't quite connect it all the way. Cause I just was like, he is an it asshole. Is. And like, you kind of were like, Oh no, no, no. He is abusive. He, yeah. Just in the worst, sometimes in the worst way, which is emotionally. Cause it, it's emotional. Yeah. It's emotional and psychological abuse. Cause it, it, it fucks with the way you think. Mm-hmm. And like you kind of see it all come back. Right. Which is but, why she fell into those patterns so quickly, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And so lastly, we try to point out some themes when we see them in the show. Mm-hmm. In this section, I've also kind of been keeping track of where people people are on Mr. Lasso. Mm-hmm. So tonight I'm counting Rebecca now as fully converted. I believe um, so, yes. Over to Team Lasso. And then the, the theme that I picked up, um, a brief one, but I think it's something. It Ted was giving a lot of strong friend energy this mm-hmm. whole episode. So like he was looking after Nate and he was looking after Rebecca, the whole thing with with Roy and Jamie and even Beard at the end. You know, and like I said, with Rebecca, he was kind of on her like white on rice the whole episode. Like he was just basically looking after and taking care of everybody. I'm wondering when's somebody going to look after Ted? Hmm? Uh, when's that going to happen? Well, we'll see that. So that's, that's, so that's what I, that's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm looking at. And I, and I worry about Ted because I, I see that type of stuff, the strong friend stuff. In most cases, I'm the strong friend. Um, and you know what they say, you got to check on your strong friends. So yeah, check on Ted people. You want to know my themes? Oh yes. Cause please. I actually took notes on this this time. Oh, great. Uh, Let's hear it. I didn't get it last time. Because sometimes I'm a ding dong. So I think the um, one of the themes, major themes on this is growth and graciousness. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of the characters grow in this one. Uh, obviously, both Roy and Jamie to a lesser extent, but they do. And they see, you see people extending grace to those who may not deserve it. Yeah. And I think that's like a bit. It, mostly you see it for with Roy and Rebecca. Yeah. But um, I think but you see growth from a lot of the characters keely like she finally is like dumps jamie like yeah and you see kind of rebecca try to shake off some of the things that i think successfully with ted's help a little bit shake off some of the abuse that rupert had put her through and i just love it like i think it's i think that's a, a kind of one of the themes of the episode love it I, I like now that. i can't guarantee that i will notice the themes every week because as I've told you, when I suggested this episode, I am bad at that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that was that was great. Um, all right. Well, Julia, 
I think this wraps up episode four, Ted Lasso. Yeah. For the Churins. Churins. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and send your comments, theories, and just any general feelings you have about what we covered this week to tviuslifepod at gmail.com. And we may cover it on an upcoming episode. Thank y'all for listening. Until next time, take care of your characters and each other.